How to Live Mentally Resilient in the Workplace with Michelle E. Dickinson, the author of Breaking into My Life, here on episode number 171 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. And damn, I'm going to cross a finish line. Like, that's my goal. And that was, that honestly was the quest, was like, I'm going to train. And I don't care if I beat anyone. I care about showing up and being a better version of me and completing this. Hi, this is the happy meditator, Tommy Khan. I help people and teams feel happier, more mindful, and resilient lives. Dr. Brad Miller is here on the Beyond Adversity podcast, helping you to navigate beyond adversity to peace of mind. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful. And this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. It is an incredible privilege to have you here with me today as we continue on our mission, our pathway, our journey to help people to grow through what they go through. You can head on over to drbradmiller.com for over 170 episodes of this podcast where we where we help people navigate adversity and achieve their life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. We have a free gift for you there as well. Let me ask you a question, friends. What if you could go to your workplace and feel truly valued? for being authentic and being your authentic self there. And you could work with people in such a way that you felt connected and supported and productive. Well, that's one of the focuses focuses of our guest here today. Her name is Michelle E. Dickinson. She's the author of the book, Breaking Into My Life, which is a memoir about her life struggling with uh, mental illness in her family growing up and dealing with some struggles with depression and other difficult adversities in her life as a in her growing up years and as an adult. But what she did about it and how she's now an advocate for mental health. Uh, she's an accomplished TEDx speaker, a published author, as I mentioned. And she gives us some great insights on how to be authentic in the workplace. She is a person who has gone through a lot of difficulties in her life. And we're going to learn today a couple of things about her and about how it can apply to your life. We're going to learn about the mental health stigma, especially in the workplace, and how elevating compassion, causing more open conversations, can lead to real change in the workplace, which can lead to not only a better environment, but better productivity. She has a particular interest in the first responder community. Not only only are you going to learn about this, what's going on there, and what can happen? You're going to feel some emotion here today, friends. You're going to hear Michelle talk about her own struggles with mental illness in her own family growing up and her own episodes of depression and challenging life events that she went through and how she had to change careers and other aspects of her life and how she then navigated the mental health landscape for herself. 
and that she come to some con- she's come to some conclusions and she's come to some ways to be helpful to you, my friend. Because many of us have our own struggles in the workplace and certainly in our home life. So we're going to learn something. We're going to feel something. When you come back to me on the other end of the interview, we're going to talk about some of the practical steps that Michelle talks about that you can do to apply these principles that she teaches to your own life and to your own workplace. We're here to be helpful to you here on the Beyond Adversity podcast. My name is Dr. Brad Miller, and I'm devoted to helping you to navigate adversity and to achieve peace, prosperity, and purpose. And we do so by talking to great people like Michelle E. Dickinson, who blogs at michelledickinson.com. Her book is Breaking Into My Life. Let's get into our conversation with Michelle right now. And we welcome you to Beyond Adversity, Michelle E. Dickinson. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it is an honor and a privilege for us to have a conversation. I know you're into some really interesting work in terms of uh, helping the corporate world to be more effective and efficient by dealing with some difficulties and that people have. But a lot of that, I believe, stems from the personal experiences we all have. And I got a feeling that you've had your own circumstances and situations that you've had to deal with that kind of led you to the work you do now. So interested, Michelle, a little bit in your story. What are some of the things you've had to face in your life that's led you to this point? Yeah, thank you for asking. It's uh, been quite a journey. I mean, I didn't know any different growing up. Um, I grew up with a mom who had bipolar disorder, and I cared for her for a large part of my childhood and young adult years. And I got to sort of see what it looked like from the lens of a caregiver and the role reversal of mother-parent sort of took place. So that experience is is one of the reasons why I do the work I do. And then I also navigated a, a, a divorce and was diagnosed with depression when I was going through that divorce. So that was really a, a challenge. And, and then after that, my corporate job was eliminated. So I had to figure out what am I going to do next? And so that's another piece of adversity that, that I've sort of navigated and learned from. So and along the way, I was invited to give a TED talk about my mom. And that led me to write my memoir, which connected me deeply to wanting to be an advocate for mental illness. So that led me to just want to talk about it because talking about mental illness seems to help us with removing stigma. So got really connected to wanting to do that. And then ultimately decided I'm going to create my own company Wow! and I'm going to make a difference. So, yep. And, and obviously you already are making a difference by writing the, the book, uh, breaking into, breaking into my life. Break, say, say again the title, please. Break. Break. Yeah, Breaking Into My Life. Breaking Into My Life. And then by the counseling and the uh, workshops that you do to help uh, individuals and corporate entities. That, but you mentioned something about you just had to talk about it yourself. You had to get it out, right? You had to process oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, so and, you I'd know, like to say more about yeah. the process of what that meant for you and any other actions you took to help you to break out of the places you were at? What are some of the actions that you took? You know, I'd always, how my mother affected me growing up, I just, I never even looked twice at. I just figured, you know what? I was able to get a good job. I was able to work. I never really even spoke about it. I was just, I I think in spite of all that, I was, I was proud of myself. But then, you know, when I started talking about 
this story of growing up with my mom. And then I gave the Ted talk, I got really connected to like, Oh my goodness, like the power of storytelling. But I I will be honest with you, I could not have done that if I didn't go through my own healing journey. And so before I gave the Ted talk, I had embarked on, you know, years of therapy, years of counseling, I did some self-discovery work with uh, Landmark Education and Tony Robbins. And I started to find a place of forgiveness for my mom because I was really angry. I was really angry with like, you know, how abusive she was. I I was focused more on being at the effects of her abuse than really finding compassion in my heart for what she was dealing with. So that had me arrive at a much healthier place to be able to actually give a TED talk and talk about her and not be angry and then write my book. So I would say therapy was instrumental therapy and and being curious about why you are the way you are and why you believe what you believe. That was huge for me. And then when ultimately I was diagnosed with depression going through my divorce, I learned to find healthy vices to lean into. You know, oftentimes when we go through things, we're leaning on vices that might not serve us. But I had a wonderful therapist who said to me, you know, I really want you to find things that you can do to help yourself feel better. And so I started training for a triathlon and I started running and I started, I started riding and I started swimming and I just, I got lost in the training piece and, and focusing on my health. And that gave me momentum in other areas of my life. I love that terminology, which I've heard before, but I haven't heard it for a while. Healthy vices kind of get something to be kind of, you know, have a habit or hooked on it. It's something that you can focus in on other than obsessing about whatever, you know, your mother or your divorce or anything else that that comes into, in, into play. So you took some action. You developed with a therapist. You made you became much more cognizant about your own situation. You did physical exercise, among other things, and you got obsessed with the healthy vices. So these are great action points that are helpful to help people to deal with adversity. But let's uh, go to a little different place. I I think uh, a lot of folks, Michelle, when they do change, when they do transformation, they find themselves also thinking about no longer being so self-absorbed in their own situation and thinking about that which is greater than themselves or something that motivates them on an inner life, maybe a spiritual basis or some motivational thing that they're involved with. Tell us about any inspiration, spiritual or otherwise, that may have been a part of the process of your uh, of your transformation. Sure. I would have to say the self-expression and leadership program that I took uh, when I was engaged in in the work with Landmark Education was huge for me because it, in that program, you create a community project and you basically create it and and then you give it to another person to execute. So it's it's like this whole big leadership journey. It's, it's, it's really remarkable. And so when we sat down to create the project, they said, you know, what is it that you would want to leave your, like, how would you want to leave your mark in the world? What, what would you want to do? And I thought about you know, what were the things that I missed in my childhood? My mother was very emotionally unavailable, not very supportive. It was, it was, it definitely didn't get the things that I, that I hoped I could get as a little girl. So I said, well, if kids could realize their greatness and if kids could realize, um, that they were limitless in whatever they wanted to achieve in life. Um, two things that I missed. And so I created a project around that and it, it was, you know, we created it. 
It was delivered in the community. It ex- it spread. It went from New Jersey to Pennsylvania to New York. And here I was just giving back. And, and in that giving back, I was healing a piece of myself and preventing another child from feeling like I felt, which was, you know, that I wasn't worth anything. That was a big, big part of my healing journey. Wow. So you're motivated by this image of how you could be helpful you know, beyond your own self-absorbed circumstances that, you know, a lot of people find themselves going inward, you know, you know, poor me and, you know, uh, well, this has all happened to me and expect some sort of outside force to save them. And, uh, and I believe that, yeah, we do have to have an outside force, but we have to open ourselves up for that and be, let ourselves be influenced by something greater than ourselves. And sometimes that can be a motivation of this project you're talking about. Sometimes that can be a spiritual thing or meditation or whatever it is, prayer for some folks, but, uh, we do need that inner life and be expressed in the outer life. So cool. Tell me a little bit about now. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Michelle about about some of the specifics about what I'd like to call kind of the uh, the cognitive piece, the mind piece, which has to do with how we change our mind, change our mindset, and that comes into play. Things like habits or disciplines or routines or breaking of old patterns to create new patterns. And tell us what about uh, any of those things along that line, the cognitive piece, how that worked for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I got a lot from training for the triathlon and I also had, you know, adopted some principles that they teach you in some of the programs that I took. One being that, you know, life is always happening for us, not to us. And, and even, even that simple, that simple phrase. And then Dr. Wayne Dyer used to say, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change, like little things like that would help me get out of my head and get out of my stuff, you know, and, and just remember that a small incremental step forward is better than no step or a step backwards. Filling my mind with a lot of that kind of, I don't know if it was motivational, but it was, it would shift how I would approach things. Right. So instead of something, when I was down, something happening to me and being like, Oh, you know, poor me. Wow. Like how could this happen on top of all of this? I just be like, so in some weird way, this is going to serve me. And I really need to just have patience and take a step back and just deal with it and move forward. And I also learned a lot from books like Loving What Is by Byron Katie, right? Loving What Is by Byron Katie was instrumental for me because it just had me realize that we create our own upset in disagreeing with our reality. It's like I use the the explanation of the flat tire. You can jump up and down and scream and be miserable. Oh my God, I have a flat tire. Or you could just deal with it and move on. You create your own upset by disagreeing with it. There's no amount of disagreement that's going to change the reality. So just stop and just change the tire and move along. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of that going on in our world right now. We're individuals and groups screaming and yelling a lot, but not really helping to move the conversation along too much. So one of the things I love your phrase, you just kind of you scream and yell at the tire, but it's not going to change itself. I have a phrase I use with my, you know, I have three adult children and two grandchildren and I, it's dibbed. And they know when they hear something from me called DWI, it's not about driving under the influence or whatever. It's deal with it, whatever it is. It's you got, you have to deal with it. You can't expect me or anyone else to rescue you all the time. So that, that is awesome. 
And then tell me a little bit about some of the, you know, some of these actions that you took and these habits that you developed in breaking old patterns. Tell me a little bit about some of the um, results of that. You know, for instance, uh, I, I, you know, I uh, know when someone does something physical like a triathlon, my gosh, you have to have uh, uh, the physical progress that also overcomes when you have the setbacks. Tell us about some of those affirmations and overcoming some of the, you know, when we when we get through adversity, it's not just a straight line, you know, there's ups and downs. But tell us about some of the uh, things that helped keep you going when you were going through the process here. Yeah, you know, for me, I needed, I needed to realize success in one area of my life. When I started training for the triathlon, I had lost, I had, I had just, I just filed for divorce. And my job was, I think my job, I think I had lost my job at that point, too. So I had like, a lot of bad stuff going on in my work life and my relationship. So it's like, Oh my God. So I thought about it and I'm like, well, where do I have control? Cause I didn't feel like I had control in those two areas. So I thought, where, where do I have control? Well, I have control of what I eat. I have control of what I do in terms of like my physical activity and damn, I'm going to cross a finish line. Like that's my goal. And, and that was, that honestly was the quest was like, I'm going to train and I don't care if I beat anyone. I care about showing up and being a better version of me and completing this. And let me tell you the euphoria when I crossed that line. Cause it's like, I did it. Like I did it. No one can take that from me. And it was just a proud moment that gave me a lot of positive momentum to be like, you know what, if you could do this, you can get through whatever. You know, so it's the high of that accomplishment that you did it and you powered through yeah, whatever the adversity was, the physical pain, anything else yeah. that, that happened. And and that that, it, that is awesome. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned how you went through some difficulties. You went through a divorce, you lost your job and you did depression and so on. And uh, those are some pretty powerful things. But. So one of another, and we mentioned about the inner life and some of your habits and things like that that helped you get through that. Let's talk about people. You know, uh, when you lose a job and you lose a marriage, that's losing or altering relationships. But uh, sometimes other relationships can step in to be helpful. And I'd like to talk about uh, relationships, either uh, you know, professionally through a through a therapist, with your mm-hmm. friends or family or whatever, or maybe uh, uh, even you know through books and so on. Tell us about the influence and place of helpful relationships and helping you get through what you went through, and then maybe what you teach a little bit to others. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, I, I'm sure I'm like. I'm sure others might be like me and that you're like, you just don't want to burden people, but it's in those moments when you're dealing with adversity that those, those moments, your friends would be very angry if you didn't lean on them. So I, I was really fortunate to be surrounded by good friends, by family that, that supported me that I could lean on. And, and that was really important, like really important. And, and I remember just surrounding myself with them. I think I I hosted a gathering in my, in my place to just have all my friends around me. And that was huge because it just reminded me that even though I might've lost so much, I still had so much. It's also very easy when we're dealing with depression to isolate ourselves as hard as it is to reach out when we don't want to, like that's when we need to. And, and I would remember like forcing myself to reach out to a friend and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm not in a good space. And that would really help me. They, they would be there for me. So, I mean, 
I think friends and surrounding yourself with, with people you trust and that you love, especially in those moments is, is so critical because they're going to hold you accountable to, to who they know you, you to be versus, you know, all the negative banter that we create in our heads of we can't, or we aren't or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said, you, you said two or three things that I think are just so important, Michelle, that you chose to reach out. That's an action that we take. And, and sometimes we tend, when we have depression and we have bad things happen to us, some of us tend to isolate ourselves or, you know, play the poor me game. Yeah. That didn't help. Most of the time when we reach out to somebody, uh, they are more than happy to respond to our needs. And that helps them feel affirmed as well to know that you have been vulnerable for care and care enough to reach out to them. But also the other thing you said is accountability. Sometimes we need those friends and those other folks to, you know, kind of, you know, pull yourself up, Michelle, let's get going or whatever it is. Keep, keep moving. And to help you be accountable to, if you make some commitments to whatever it is, help you keep accountable to your commitments. So do you think, tell me a little bit about more about uh, the importance that when you teach others now, how to get Mm -hmm. through some of this stuff about things like uh, reaching out and accountability, or that's, is that a part of what you help others to do now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my resilience program, the one thing that I start off with is the self audit, you know, the importance of reflecting on how you're really doing. If we are so busy in our lives, and we don't even reflect that we might not be doing okay, mentally or emotionally, before you know it, we, it could escalate. So it's, it, it's really important for people to remember to do that self audit. But more importantly, to know who you trust that you can go to when you're not doing well. Because it could be as simple as a phone call, a conversation to say, you know what, I'm in a funk and I just need to talk to you for a few minutes and then I'm going to, I'm going to carry on. But if we ignore it, it, it can easily, you know, escalate. So I always tell people that they need to know who they can trust and who they can reach out to. It's like, who's your lifeline? And because a lot of people are not comfortable reaching out for therapy. So I want them to at least have someone that they trust, a friend that they can talk to, because then they're getting out of the vortex of their head and they're talking, you know, and that's, that's the name of the game. If you keep talking, it it can help you navigate where you need to go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go there a little bit in terms of what you offer to folks. Then you, you have now translated or not only transformed your life, Michelle, but you have now chosen to love others enough to share what you've learned. So you've written a book about this. You've had a TED talk about all of this and you have programs of resiliency to help corporate uh, entities and other groups. Tell us about how you translated your experiences into serving others. Let's talk about service to others now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, they say that that there are two days in your life, the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. (laughs) And I honestly think that when I lost my job, it was like very confrontational to be like, okay, so now what are you going to do? What are you going to do with the book? What are you going to do with the TED talk? What are you going to do with the heart that is your heart that's being pulled to help people versus, you know, sit in a corporate job for the rest of your career. And I was just like, you know, if I could do anything, I would want there to be more compassionate cultures and there be healthier people. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like for the first time, so many people who had never dealt with a mental health imbalance were struggling. And I, and I thought, you know, if ever there's a time for me to, to dig into my toolbox of things that I've learned throughout my journey is now. So that's when I created my resilience program and I've been delivering it to corporations 
um, and organizations, churches, um, restaurant workers, everyone to help people stay empowered and remember that there are things that they do have control over because throughout the pandemic, we've been very much reminded of what we don't have control over, but then we also are reminded of how much we've lost, whether it's loss of life or loss of routine or, or loss of things that we once loved. We're acutely focused on that. So I try really hard in my programs to remind people of where you have control, what you what you have to be grateful for is something you should be practicing every day, the gratitude practice. And then, you know, what are things that you need to be doing to feel good physically? So are you are you taking care of yourself physically? Are you are you eating well? Are you exercising? Are you getting enough sleep? These are all such important fundamentals that we uh can easily forget how they all compound and help us feel. Um, so the resilience program has been something that, um, I delivered throughout the pandemic. And recently because of my client's request, we have a hurdle in the workplace where people leaders just don't know how to engage in a conversation with their direct report if they sense that they're struggling. So I've developed a people leader program to give them the confidence in engaging with their direct report, but also respecting their boundaries so they can support them. Because the last thing you want to do is take a, a challenge that is emotional or a mental health challenge and manage them for performance. So I'm trying to cultivate more compassion within leaders so they, they care for their people. Yeah, two or three things there. The you're talking about the pandemic. That is also has the kind of unique thing, Michelle. See what you think about this, of being a near universal experience for all of humanity. <laughs> so we all have, you know, we all have our individual stresses, whether it's, you know, depression or divorce or disease or, you know, death in the family, or whatever. But this was a universal thing where we all had to deal with it and still are dealing with it even as we speak here. And then you're applying it to another common experience, the workplace of how do you then deal with this in terms of the people you report to an HR and the dynamics of a workplace where they have to be most effective and efficient. You still have to deal with these personal issues and things like this and to be you know productive in the workplace where you have all these other uh, dynamics of interpersonal relationships going on. So, so people yeah. go to your website and with, they want to get into involved with the resilience program. If I'm, uh, if I'm either a person who's struggling a little bit in the workplace or perhaps I'm in management or an HR person or something like that, what are they going to find on your website or perhaps through your book or TED talk that's going to be helpful to them? Let's talk about the practical applications now. Sure. So there's a couple of things. So on my website, michelleedickinson.com, I have five steps for cultivating a culture of compassion. And anybody can do these. They're, they're real straightforward. So you can get, you can get those there. Um, one of the things that I do share is having leaders go first, right? There's something profound about a leader who's willing to acknowledge if they struggle with anxiety because it gives everyone else permission to just, first of all, talk about them. And, you know, and just acknowledge, oh my goodness, that person is a human being before they are a senior level leader in my organization. So the power of the ripple effect in leaders going first can really create a better culture. Yeah. And then if you go to my other website, careforyourpeople.com, you'll learn a little bit more about me and a little bit about the programs that I offer. 
We'll put connections to both of those websites in our show notes at drbradmiller.com. Uh, well, just one more thing, uh, Michelle. Let's talk about how the results here. What I mean by that is, can you share with us about, you know, you mentioned about your program, about your personal experience, but it's really important when we share that a personal experience with others and then we see results. Can you share about any either individual or perhaps corporate group that uh, has gone through some of what you have taught and seen a difference. Can you share an example of your work? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you were to talk to any of my clients, um, they would, they would tell you that there's a different energy in their organization in terms of how people interact with one another. You know, it goes beyond, um, creating, uh, more understanding. It, it's the silent cues that have shifted in most organizations. It's, it's the, um, leading by example. When you have leaders that are leading by example through their practices and they're not emailing you at nine, PM. And instead they're saying, I'm going to go and take a run at lunchtime when they're modeling good mental health hygiene and good, and good, um, just good practices that has the impact on the whole organization. So I've heard a lot of people telling me, you know, I, I, we have departments that are doing little meditations in the afternoon for like 15 minutes, and it's really creating a better sense of community, even though they're virtual. So that's really refreshing to hear. And you know, I just, I've heard from individual employees that they feel good about where they work now because their employer is doing more than benefits. They're doing more than EAP and they just feel proud that their company cares about them. So those are some of the things that I've been hearing in terms of like results or outcomes. And my, and I'll extrapolate this out and I'll make an assumption here that may or may not be true, but maybe you're hearing reports. It's my understanding when companies do this type of thing, oftentimes their productivity uh, increases as well, including their bottom line. Well, it's two things. Yes, it's absolutely productivity. It's productivity, but it's also loyalty. You're, you're breeding loyalty in, in, a, in an environment where we're talking about the great resignation. Companies are holding on to their people now because they they are engaged, they're, they feel proud to work there, and they feel cared for. Wow, that's awesome. Well, a lot of great stuff here. And uh, for what we've talked about here uh, today, about how you can apply your own personal hearts and situations and adversities you personally have gone to, transform your own life, then apply them to other people and to organizations and make a difference. And I got a feeling you're the type of person, Michelle, who is really passionate about making a true uh, difference. And to make a difference, you have to be resilient in what you're, what's happened to you and to make an impact on others. So we thank you for being our guest here on Beyond Adversity. Her name is Michelle E. Dickinson. Her book is Breaking Into My Life, and we'll put connections to both of her websites at drbradmiller.com. And we thank you very much, Michelle, for being our guest today on Beyond Adversity. What a great and delightful guest, uh, Michelle E. Dickinson, uh, has been for us here on our Beyond Adversity podcast. Uh, I just, I'm so thankful for what she has brought to us and brought to you. You, you learned some things about the mental health stigmas and about the things that she had to deal with in her own life growing up and about how she's been speaking into the community, uh, of the workplace and the first responder community. And then you felt the emotion. I think you felt that, too, of the struggles that she had with many challenges in life. You have them, too. You felt that emotion and how there is many transitions and things that go on. 
you need to know that she is a person who not only talks about it and teaches about it, has written a book about it, but she's living it out. She is a volunteer with a with the CASA, the Court-Appointed Special Advocate System. She's involved with Make-A-Wish Foundations, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, several other things. And she has a real heart for children, as she really wants children to grow up with good, healthy relationships and good brain health. Let's talk for a second about application to your life, what you can do about it. Here on the Beyond Adversity podcast, we're not only about learning about things and about feeling the emotion, but what are you going to do about it? So some of the things that she advocates, Michelle advocates, is creating a culture of compassion in the workplace and then having such things as panel discussions to help with that process in the workplace. And she's also very much an advocate for being a being proactive with youth in their mental health areas. You heard a little bit about that. If you go to her website, you're going to find also she's got some programs that can be helpful to you as well. One program is, specific, is specifically geared towards people in the first responders community, helping them to have what she calls a tactical mental health training element to how they do their job, how they do their work. And as I looked at that, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, applicable principles here for anyone's work of uh, uh, workplace. But particularly if you are a first responder, know someone is, that may be a good resource for you as well. She has another resource there called Protect Your Happy, which is all about resilience, about protecting your mental health and about choosing to be happy in your life and being resilient when bad things happen. These are all great things for you to connect with and to do. Something else you can do is to always tune in to the weekly Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. I'm here to be helpful to you. We have over 170 episodes of the podcast up at drbradmiller.com. Lots of helpful tips, lots of helpful things to speak into your life. We have a free gift for you there on the website as well that can be helpful to you. Because we're all about helping you to navigate adversity and come out to your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. My name is Brad Miller, here to serve you. Until next week, friends, good to be with you. And remember to continue to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Thank you.